You're listening to the Church on the Move Roswell podcast. We hope this message inspires you, encourages you, and challenges you to take your next step with Jesus. Thanks for listening. Let's check it out. So we ended uh, right around verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3. He says this, let every activity, everybody say every activity. That means everything. Of your lives and every word that comes from your lips be drenched with the beauty of our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. And bring your constant praise to God the Father because of what Christ has done for you. This is how you live holy. And God is so practical. Listen to this. He goes right into, he, he talked about you know, patience and forgiveness and maturity, all those things we talked about last Sunday. And then he goes into some, to how this plays out practically just in our relationships. And he says in verse 18, let every wife be supportive and tenderly devoted to her husband. Now, if you got after your husband this morning, I'll take off my glasses. I can't see you with my glasses. I'm going to see if there's any elbowing going on out here. He said, he said, be tenderly devoted. So you can tenderly devote yourself to correcting him, right? To your husband. For this is a beautiful illustration of our devotion to Christ. What I'm about to read to you today about family and about different things, it's a, how you conduct yourself in these relationships is a direct reflection of your relationship with God. Show me some, a woman that loves Jesus, and I'll show you someone that's de- devoted to their family and to their husband. And I can measure it. You, your devotion to Jesus will be equal to your devotion to your family, to your husband. Not just your kids, your husband. And God puts things in order here. You know, I think it's interesting. He spoke to the woman first here when it comes to the home. Because I really believe that, ladies, you you know it. You set the tone. A man can set a tone, but, man, you can change the whole atmosphere of a home, of of a relationship. And so he speaks to the women first, and he says that. Then he says, let every husband. If you're a husband, say amen. Only a couple of you in the room. You need to get married. Let every husband be filled with cherishing love for his wife and never be insensitive toward her. Wow. I'm going to start paying more attention to Julie if I can't be insensitive. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Never be insensitive to her. So we're supposed to cherish husbands, men. You're supposed to cherish your wife. As Christ loved the church, it says in Ephesians, as Christ loved the church, we're supposed to love our wives. As Christ laid down his life for the church, we're supposed to lay down our lives for our wives. And women, you are supposed to be a direct relation, a direct reflection of the body of Christ's relationship with Jesus. You know, what I love about God is it's one plus one equals two. This is simple stuff. You want to have a great marriage? Act like this. Act like this. You don't want to have a great marriage? Don't act like this. If you don't know how, maybe you didn't have an example of these things, just start hanging out with Jesus because your relationship with Jesus will be a direct reflection of how you treat one another. This is why God said don't be unequally yoked. 
Because when you're unequally yoked, when you, and I tell my, my children all the time, do not marry someone that's not a Christian. If you do, they better become a Christian pretty quick or you're going to be miserable. But I encourage you, don't. So if you're single, man, don't, don't marry someone that doesn't love Jesus. But you know what? You attract who you are. So if you love Jesus, you're going to attract someone that loves Jesus. Now, you might attract some pigeons too, but the eagle you'll know. You'll know who the eagle is because you love Jesus. He'll show you who the eagle is, and you'll separate the eagle from the pigeons. You don't want a pigeon. You want an eagle. And the only way you get an eagle, eagles don't, eagles don't mate with pigeons. Did you guys know that? Give you a lesson in animaltology, whatever it is. It's not even the right word. I don't know. Whatever it is. Animal science, whatever. But eagles only mate with eagles. So if you become an eagle, you'll attract eagles. Amen? And so then he goes and he says, this is how you have a marriage that's, that's honoring to God. Then he says this, let the children respect and pay attention to their parents in everything. For this pleases our Lord Jesus. And so who's he talking to here? He's, he's not always talking to adult children because this is, he's talking to children in your household. So kids in your household, if they want to be blessed by God, they need to honor their parents by being attentive to listening and obeying. Now, once you grow up and you are, are an, what we consider an adult, um, then how you honor your parents, there's three types of honor. You obey them when you're in your household. The second type of honor is that who you become when you leave their household. As a parent um, and a grandparent, I know this, I like to brag on my kids. Don't look innocent. You, we like to brag on our kids and our grandkids. When they're doing something great, we want to brag on them. And so how you honor them is you give them something to brag about because of who you're becoming. Not that you're perfect, but that you're becoming something that is honorable to, to your parents. That's how you honor them in the second phase. You don't have to obey everything they said or say at this point. So if you're married and you have your own home, you don't have to listen to your mama all the time anymore. In-laws are one of the third greatest causes of divorce. The Bible says cut the umbilical cord, and now how you honor them is that, that you, not that you obey them anymore. It's who you become. That's how you honor your parents. And then the third type of honor is when they get older, how you take care of them. And I'm going to say this about this, is that it has nothing to do whether they were honorable or not. Joyce Meyer has a great testimony of honoring her father who heavily molested her her whole life. But she ended up in his old age. She bought him a house. She honored her parents and won them both to Christ. But boy, she had every reason to never ever be around her father. But she had one reason too, and that was because she wanted to honor her heavenly father, and she did what was right by them, even in their old age, even when they weren't honorable. God expects us to do right even when others don't. Well, that's unfair. No, it's not, because we just read in Hebrews 11 that God's the one that will reward you. Not if you're looking for people to reward you, you'll get whatever they can give you. The crumbs people will give you. But if you're looking to God to reward you, oh, he doesn't give crumbs. He'll give you the bread and he'll throw some ham in it, just like Pastor Sergio said. 
He'll throw some or hot dog or something, you know, something in that bread. But, you know, he'll bless you. And so that's how we honor. And then he says this. He said, and fathers, this is, this is huge. This is not just for fathers. This is for mothers too. And fathers, don't have unrealistic expectations for your children or else they may become discouraged. Another translation says, so discouraged that they become angry and rebellious. I know every parent wants their child to be, you know, a professional musician, athlete, the, the smartest kid in school, and, you know, and be Mother Teresa all wrapped up into one thing. But I'm telling you, most of us are just people, and even those people weren't, didn't have every quality that you need. They're just people, too. And so don't have unrealistic unrealistic expectations of your children where it causes them to be so discouraged. And please don't live your life through them. I said, please don't live the life you wished you would have lived through them. That will cause them to get discouraged and angry and rebel against you. God made them a certain way. He gave them certain talents and abilities. Our job is to pray it out for them that they discover them and that when we see it, we encourage them to go to the direction that God bent them, the way he, he made them. If they're good in math, man, encourage that. If they're good with their hands, encourage that. If, they're, if they have a fascination with muscles and hearts and, and uh, blood and stuff, encourage them to go to the medical profession. If they, if they love animals or like animals really a whole lot, uh, then they can go that, encourage them. But fine, if they're sports oriented, encourage them to go that direction. Music, whatever, they, whatever they're direct. If they're real IT, kind of geeky kids, Man, encourage them to go that direction. I have all sorts. I have the IT. I have the, I have the aggressive. I have the passive. I mean, I got every type. I have the fun-loving. And so, you know, you want to encourage their strengths in the direction God bent them. And the way he said, I bent them a certain way. I, I put certain characteristics inside of them. So don't have unrealistic expectations for your children. Just encourage them to, to go with what, how God created them and the, and the gifts and talents that he gave them. I know some people think, well, what gifts and talents do I have? Oh, my goodness. Ask the people around you. And then do something unbelievable. Believe them. Believe them. Believe that what they're telling you. You know, some people have a gift of kindness. They have a gift. Some people have a gift of hospitality. I mean, there's all kinds of gifts. Some people have a gift of entrepreneurship because they're called to be givers, substantial givers. Everybody wants that gift, but not everybody has that gift. But the gifts God gives you, maximize them, pray about them, and pray about them in your children. And don't discourage them or make them so angry because you're trying to fit a square peg in a round hole. Some kids are just not athletic, even though you want them to be. You want them to be what you weren't. Some girls just aren't cheerleaders, even though you wished you were one. Some kids just aren't, you, even though you're good in math, they're not just, they're, some of them just aren't going to be good in math. Maybe their subject's history, or maybe their subject is not any of that. Maybe they just want to work, man. They love to work, and they're great workers. Man, honor that. Respect that. Encourage that. Then he goes on, and he says, let every employee listen. <coughs> wow, that's a, that's a new one. Let every employee listen well and follow the, the instructions of their employer. 
Can I tell you something? This is not my word. This is God's word. He said, you, we are as employees to listen and follow. I've been an employee, and I am an employer now. Uh, but to follow the instructions, to listen and follow the instructions of our employer. Man, it always gets really quiet when I talk about this one. Because how many of you have ever, if your boss is in the room, don't lift your hand. So none of the staff can lift their, lift their hand right now? None of the staff of the church? Because your boss is in the room and I'm looking. No, I'm kidding. Uh, but how many of you had a bad employer? Yeah, man. I mean, we're all going to experience that. And you can either run from that or you can say, God, I'm not going to run. I'm going to grow up. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the one that grows here. When I wanted to run from a certain job I had, I was done. I was going in to turn in my, my resignation, and God checked me and said I couldn't, so I was mad. At, I argued with God and was mad at God for about three weeks. Seriously, I argued with him every day, trying to convince him that he was wrong. Anybody else try to convince God he's never wrong, right? And so... I tried to convince him he was wrong, that I was right, that I had a thousand good reasons not to work there anymore. He didn't accept any of my excuses, any of my reasons. And for I'm so grateful that I listened to him and not to me. Because once I, once I uh, decided I was going to honor him and do what he had requested of me to stay in that position, man, I got a peace on me and I grew up and I matured. And I, I never let another bad boss ever affect me or drive me out of a situation. I always ran to God, and he promoted me out of those situations. And that's what he'll do for you if you'll honor him and be this kind of employee. This is what else he says. He goes on to talk about employees. He says, follow their instructions of, of, of their employer, not just when their employers are watching and not in pretense, otherwise pretending Pretending to be a good employee when you're not. But faithful, everybody say faithful, in all things. For we are to live our lives with pure hearts and the constant awe and wonder of our Lord God. We're going to come back to that. Put your heart and soul, put your heart and soul into every activity you do as though you are doing it for the Lord himself and not merely for others. And this is what, this is what happened. This is what I, I got to live out. Uh, personally, he said, for we know that we will receive a reward and inheritance from the Lord as we serve the Lord Yahweh, the anointed one. A disciple will be repaid for what he has learned and followed, for God pays no attention to titles or the prestige of men. So he'll promote you right on past people. I got, I got promoted beyond some of the people that were terrible to me at that job. And I got promoted to equality where I was on an equal level with others that were terrible to me on that job. Because I decided not to follow my own flesh. I decided to follow God and to work as unto the Lord and not for mere men and not to be pretending but to be faithful. And God, he will, he will do exactly what he said here. He will promote you above. He will promote you beyond. Oh, if you'll just do what God said to do. 
If you'll just do what God said to do. He'll promote your marriage if you'll both treat each other this way. He'll promote the, if you're a child in here, a a, a young person, man, he'll promote you if you'll honor your parents. Uh, And all the rest of us have had parents or had parents, and we get his chance to still honor them right now and where we're at, who we become, and, and how we take care of them when they're elderly. Man, we get a chance to do all these things, and we receive the reward that God has for us in this life, in the next. That's how good God is. What does this have to do with holy, holy, holy? Be holy as I am holy, says the Lord. This is how you walk holy. God's practical. This is how you do it. This is how we all do it. Then he says this, employers, he doesn't let you off the hook. If you're a manager, supervisor, or owner of of a business, or you're you're in charge of people, he said, employers, treat your workers with equality and justice. You You notice he didn't say equity. Equity means sameness. That there's no difference between, that's, man, guys, if you don't think there's someone that's faster, taller, smarter, you're, you're, that's ridiculous. God made us all unique and special, but, man, there's always someone with something, and you're someone with something that someone else doesn't have. There's no equity. There's no sameness. That word's a lie from the pit of hell. God is a God of equality and justice. That means you have equal opportunity. And there's justice. That's who God is. There is no sameness. I have six children. They all have six different unique personalities. I love them all the same, but I don't treat them all the same. Just like God loves you and me all all the same, but he doesn't treat us all the same. Why? Because what motivates me might not motivate you. What, what, how he corrects me might not, how, how he corrects you. You might be easier to move. I was stubborn. He had to hit me with two by fours. Some of you, he just, just pat you on the butt. You start crying and, okay, God, I'll do it. I've learned to be more like that. And we have kids just like that. You pull a, you pull a paddle out, they just like, oh, no. And then we have others like, bring it on. Let's see what you got. You know? <laughs> Some are easily corrected and others are hard-butted and hard-headed. And so you don't treat them all the same. You know, you can give a look to one, and they're like, give a look to another, and they're like, what? You know, they got different personalities. And so we, we have a quality and justice to our children, just like he does with us, but he doesn't ever treat us all the same, because every one of us is unique. And I'm grateful he doesn't. I said, I'm grateful he doesn't, and we don't have to, that's, that's not what we owe anybody is to treat them all the same. We treat people with equal opportunity and justice. For he says this, as you know that you also have a Lord and Master in heaven who is watching you, employer, supervisor, manager. You, we will all, all, I've been an employee, I've been a, I've been a, a, a supervisor, a, a director uh, in business, and I, now I'm an employer. And I tell you, I, I, I try to tread lightly before God at every one of those places. Why? Because I know God is watching not just what I do, but he's watching my motives, why I do it. And he's watching yours. And that leads me to this. Go with me to Proverbs chapter 9. Some of the ways that we walk holy, that's what we're talking about today. Proverbs chapter 9. And this is what is the beginning Right here is how we begin 
to honor God and to begin to follow what he says about marriage, about children, about parenting, about employees, about employers. This is how we begin to put those, those things into practice. And without these two things I'm going to talk about uh, for the rest of this, this time right now, uh, it's impossible to walk this out. So Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10, and this will be quick. It says this, the starting point. Everybody say the starting point. For acquiring wisdom is to be consumed with awe as you worship Yahweh, you worship God. Another translation of that verse says, the, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. When I think about standing in front of God by myself with Him knowing every single thing about me, man, Wow, it makes me walk lightly. I don't know if any of you had a daddy like my daddy, but man, my dad had a look that would snap you to attention. I mean, he didn't have to hardly say anything. He would just, he would be, he's always reading something. And he'd be reading his paper and you'd do something. He'd go, he'd flip the edge down like, he'd pop it, pop, and he'd just, boom, hit you with that look. Everybody just stopped. And pointed at somebody like it was it was him. Like, are you looking at me? Look at look at him. I'm ducking, hit him, you know. And so he had a look that just froze everybody. And man, and and there was times I'd walk on eggshells around him, like, Dad gum, man, dad don't he don't play. I better be, I better act right. And when I was doing wrong, I avoided him like the plague, because it seemed like he could see right through me. Guys, that's a man. We have a God that does see right through us. And you, you will never walk in wisdom. You'll always do foolish things and make foolish decisions until you finally decide that you're going to answer to a holy God. And you start walking in awe and reverence, respect, respect, and start taking God. I believe the greatest definition I've heard of the fear of the Lord is to take him seriously at what he says. He says, do not fear what man will do to you. Fear what I can do to you. Man can kill the body, but I can kill the body and the soul. You need to walk in respect and honor of me as the heavenly father, as God almighty. That's the beginning of wisdom. And so we need to learn to sometimes walk lightly before the Lord and make sure our life lines up with his word. I know so many people making so many crazy decisions. I'm like, man, you know the word. What are you doing? What are you doing here? Do the word. And I, Man, and I've done it myself. We've all done foolish things outside the word of God. It leads to, it leads to bad stuff. But when we reverence him, and we respect him, then we will hold ourselves accountable because we know he's watching to do what is right even when no one else is looking. I always said, God said, what you do privately will either be exposed or rewarded. But it's all coming out to public. Oh, don't think you're getting away with anything. It's going to be exposed or rewarded what you're doing. If you're doing what's right, when no one's looking, you get the reward. Doing what's wrong, you're going to get exposed. He said, well, what do I do? I don't want to be exposed. Repent 
What does that mean? Change right now. Change the direction you're going. Ask God to forgive you. Don't apologize to him. Apologies don't mean anything. God wants repeat. He doesn't say, Jesus didn't preach apologies. He preached repentance. That means change of heart and mind that you're saying in your heart and mind, I'm changing directions right now. I was going this direction. I'm going this direction. Change right now. Go a different direction. So you get rewarded and not exposed. And then the last, last thing I want to talk about today, and we're, I know we're, we're almost out of time, but go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 13. You know, God said the two greatest commandments were to love Him with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind. And I never understood that, you know, most of my life. And even after I became a Christian, I'm like, God, how does that work? How does that feel? What does that look like? How do, how do I act? And, you know, I began to read the Word, and the Bible says that by His Spirit, He shows us how to love the way He loves. He showed us, but He pours constantly. And I pray this over you, whether you realize it or not. I pray this over my family and all of you, that God will continually pour His love inside of each one of us by the Holy Spirit and teach us more and more how to love the way He loves. With all, He's all in. He's all-hearted. And not only will he teach us how to love him with all our heart, but then he teaches us the second and greatest, the second greatest commandment that's just like it, he says. To love others as we love ourselves. As we love ourselves. Show me someone who has trouble loving others and being good to others. I'll show you someone who doesn't love themselves. I've looked at husbands and wives that have had their hearts broken by affairs. And I said, I know it feels real personal because it is personal to you. And I know your heart is broken. But I want you to understand, they're treating you in a way. They're treating you that way because they don't love themselves. Because if they love themselves the way God said to love, they would never have broken your heart. They've never stepped outside that marriage. If you want to never experience that, then you need to continue to pray. Say, God, teach me to love the way you love. Teach me to love the way you love. Get in agreement with me that I pray over you. I pray this every day over you and me, my, our families. Get in agreement. Say, I get in agreement with Pastor Troy that I want to love and I want my family to love the way you love. I want to love you with all my heart. I want to love myself and give bucketfuls of love away. Your kind of love. Because without love, without the God kind of love, not, not storge love, which is a, a, a Greek word for family love, or phileo love, which is a Greek word for friendship love, but a genuine God kind of love, which is agape. Not an eros love, which is kind of a lust type, a desire kind of love, but a true give your life away love that God wants to pour in us and through us. He says in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we'll end with this, if I were to speak with eloquence in earth's many, language, many languages and in the heavenly tongues of angels, yet I didn't express myself with love, my words would be reduced to the hollow sound of nothing more than a clanging cymbal. And if I were to have the gift of prophecy with a profound understanding of God's hidden secrets, and if I possessed unending supernatural knowledge, and if I had the greatest gift of faith that could move mountains, but I have never learned to love, then I am nothing. 
And if I were to be so generous as to give away everything I own to feed the poor and to offer my body to be burned as a martyr without the pure motive of love, I would gain nothing. The reverence of God, the respect of God, taking God seriously, and the love of God are not enemies. They're, they're best friends. They work hand in hand. Show me someone you respect, and I'll show you someone you can love. Show me someone you love, and I'll show you someone you respect. Those, they work hand in hand together. And without understanding how much God loves you and experiencing his love inside of you, you'll never have faith because Faith is only motivated by how much you believe God loves you. When you believe God loves you, your faith starts to grow. People who I know love me, I have great faith in them. I know my mama loves me. She put up with me all these years. I know she put up with me 60 years. She, I know she loves me. I know some of you are freaking out because you thought I was 70. No, I'm just 60. Uh, and then... Um, I know my wife loves me. I know my kids love me. I have friends I know that love me. I trust them with my life. And because, because I know they love me, I trust them. Because I know God loves me, I trust him. And so when you walk in the wisdom of God and the love of God and you respect him and you take him seriously, you'll begin to walk holy before him. And what he'll do is he'll pour out a supernatural blessing. He'll pour out a supernatural ability and you'll start having the greatest impact you've ever had on your family, your friends, and those around you because God is not through with this valley. God is not through with Roswell. God is not through with Artesia and Dexter and Hagerman, Lake Arthur and Midway. God is not through with New Mexico. God is not through with our country. God is not through with you or our families. He's just beginning to do the work he wants to do. Listen, every eye closed. I know many of you already came forward and prayed, and if you did that, you don't need to pray again. Not if you meant that. But this is for those who didn't come forward and didn't pray. Whether online or here, if you, if you haven't drawn close to God, I want you to know, God is not a two-bit dictator. He is never going to force you to serve Him, to acknowledge Him as God, to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life and lay down your life for Him the way He laid down His life for you. Right now, He's asking us to live for Him when He died for us. If you've never prayed that, or you wish you would have prayed it with the ones that came forward. And God has continued to speak to you through this whole message, through this whole time online or in here. He's been speaking to you and speaking to you. He's been extending his hand like Brother Phil said. He, he's been extending his hand. He's been opening up his arms saying, please, come, let me save you. Let me help you. I love you. Without me, you can't enter heaven. Without me, you can't have a life worth living and giving away. There's nothing worth doing without God in it. No matter how successful it looks on the outside, it's all rotten on the inside. But right now, if you didn't pray with this brave, humble group of people that came forward, but you want to pray, I'm going to make it easy for you. On the count of three, I'm going to ask you just to raise your hand up high and say, it's me. And right where you're seated, we're going to pray. God is still reaching. 
online, if that's you, right now, send us a message. I'm praying for the first time. I'm praying for the next time. Send it right now. No matter what day it is, send that out. Whether it's live or next week, send that right now or send that then. In this room, on the count of three, just lift your hand up and say, I'm going to pray and get right with God. I didn't pray before, but I'm going to pray now. I'm not right with God, and I'm going to get right. I've never prayed, or I've prayed before, and I should have gone forward, but I didn't. But here I am now. And right where you're seated, we're going to pray. Here we go. One, two, three. Lift your hand up and say, it's me. Right now, I'm going to get right with God. That's awesome. All right, let's pray. we got to get out of here. Let's pray. This is the most important thing we're doing right here, so don't check out on me, church. Pray for these that raise their hand and pray with them. Say this. Say, God, I believe you are God and God alone. And I believe that you love me, you love us, and you sent Jesus to die for our sins on the cross. And you raised him from the dead, and he's alive. And I believe that Jesus is the only way to a relationship with you, to heaven. And because I believe that, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. And I repent. I change now. I change directions. And I pursue you. Jesus, you are the Lord. Jesus Christ of my life and I receive the Holy Spirit right now to live inside of me to teach me your word and how to live life and life abundantly in this life and the next thank you for saving me in Jesus name so be it amen come on let's thank God God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for listening today. If you'd like to find out more about Church on the Move, like our service times, or how you can connect with us, you can visit cotmroswell.com.